Yes. morning. It's so wonderful to be talking to you this morning, coming to you again live from Living Word of Bible Church here in Cooper City, Florida. Uh, this is the day the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We're so thankful to God for a new day. It's wonderful to be alive and well, and we need to give God praise for that. Give him thanks for his faithfulness, for his goodness to us, for his love to us, for his grace to us, for his mercies, for his loving kindness, which the psalmist says is better than life. So this morning, wherever you are, let's give God praise. Let's give him glory for a new day. It is a wonderful day, and we're going to worship him 
We're going to worship him in the beauty of holiness. So right now, will you join with me in prayer? Because we want to begin always with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you that it's a beautiful day in spite of all that is happening. It's a good day. And you're a good God. And you're a faithful God. And you're a loving God. And you're a caring God. And you're a compassionate God. And we need to remind ourselves about that. We remind ourselves of who you really are. Because all of these, you really are. And you're the God who has not changed. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, Lord, as we worship you this morning as a family here and around the world, wherever people are watching, we come together to worship you, to honor you, to exalt you, and to lift up your name and recognize that you are so deserving and so worthy. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be with us in a special way. That your Holy Spirit will direct everything that is said and done. And in the end, we want you to be glorified. Your people to be edified. And surely let the devil be terrified. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, join with me as we welcome our dear worship team this morning. Sister Shayla and Sister Luann, we're going to be worshiping with you. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord, church. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. We are here to worship and praise him for he is worthy to be praised once again. He has kept us through another week and we have much to give God thanks for. Amen. He indeed is the beautiful one. Hallelujah.
this morning. We sing of his love this morning. Hallelujah. We bless the Lord this morning. I will bless the Lord at all times. Hallelujah. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Despite what's happening, we bless the Lord. Our God is worthy to be praised. Our God is worthy to be adored. Hallelujah. God, we bless you this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Our souls sing hallelujah this morning. Thank you, Father. Oh, the sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Oh, bless the
just lift up your hands. Come on, lift up your voice. Hallelujah. We lift up our king this morning. We make his name great this morning. He is still good. He's still kind. He's still faithful. He's still a holy God. He's still a righteous God. He's still a wonderful savior. So we lift him up this morning. Father, we exalt you, God. Hallelujah. God, we lift your name, God. Be lifted high. We exalt you, God, above everything else this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our God is indeed greater. Our God is indeed stronger. Our God is indeed mightier. Our God is, is indeed faithful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.
Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning. We glorify your God. We magnify your name. Great are you, Lord, and worthy of all praise. As we gather together from different points today, we acknowledge your loving kindness and your goodness. We exalt you, O God. We magnify you. And today, Lord, we bow our hearts before you. We thank you, sovereign Lord, for your goodness and for your mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness and your patience and long-suffering with us. Today, we humble our hearts before you. We ask you to forgive our sins and our iniquities, to cleanse us, Lord, from all unrighteousness. And, oh God, we ask for your mercy. Lord, be merciful unto us. Lord, be gracious unto us. Lord, pour out your kindness upon us. We don't deserve it, O oh Lord, for we are stubborn and rebellious. Lord, some of us are even repentant. We take it lightly, but we ask your forgiveness and your cleansing this morning. As we remember Palm Sunday, as we remember Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, oh God, triumphantly, we look to you today. We look to the cross of Calvary, and we ask your healing grace upon us, upon our families, upon our communities and nations, upon the nations of the world that are suffering right now. Oh, Lord God, grant us wisdom, grant us insight, grant us help. Help us, Father, to do what we need to do to cooperate with what you're doing. So, Father, we pray for the healing of the nations. We pray for the comfort of those who are mourning. We pray, Lord, that you'd lift up those who are despondent this morning and feel hopeless in despair. We pray for the peace of God for those who are most troubled. Lord, we pray for those who are in need, who do not even have the basic things that they need. We ask you, O oh God, you the all-sufficient God, to hear from heaven. Hear and answer and have mercy as we lay all our burdens at the foot of the cross. We pray for those from this body, especially, who have lost loved ones and are mourning. For some who have been stricken with illnesses, O oh God. Lord, hear this morning and help. Hear, O oh God, the cry of the widow. Hear the cry of the poor. Hear the cry of the orphan. Hear the cry of the one who is looking for salvation this morning. Oh, Lord God, we pray. Save God. Deliver and help. We thank you for your mercies. We ask you to anoint your word that we'll hear today. May it find our hearts soil fertile and ready. May our hearts be receptive and obedient to the word that you will send. Lord, we pray save somebody today. Strengthen your men servant and anoint as he brings the word. And let the word accomplish your purpose for which you sent it. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. As we continue in worship this morning, we want to recognize that this is also the first Sunday in April. And first Sunday, we take time to sit around the Lord's table. And so today, we're going to be doing that just as well. So I want to welcome you and ask you to join with us in your home, prepared. Uh, those of you that are on our app, you got that message that we were going to be doing that today. And if you went to a website, you'd have seen that there, an indication to prepare as well. And uh, so that we can participate today 
in Holy Communion. We want to be reminded of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and what he accomplished for us. It's so important to remember that. And the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, he gave them some guidance and instruction concerning the communion. And we want to be able to read some of what Paul talked about there this morning. Beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul started from, I want to begin at verse 23. And the Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you, the Lord Jesus, and the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who, who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and many have fallen asleep. But if we would judge ourselves, we would not come under the judgment. And so the Apostle Paul asked us to do two things, which we're going to ask, I'm going to ask you to do for all of us to do together. Paul says, number one, let a man examine himself. And number two, he says, if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. I want us to take a moment right now, right where you are, bow your heads and your hearts before the Lord. Let's take time to examine ourselves. Father and our God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from every sin. And this morning, because of the blood, we can be set free from every sin. And so your word says to us, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us 
of all unrighteousness. Lord, we recognize today that we have sinned against you. We have sinned in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. We ask your forgiveness, O oh God. We repent of our sins. We turn away from them. And we turn unto you. Holy God, breathe afresh upon us today as we acknowledge who you are and recognize what you did for us on the cross. We thank you. Thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask our worship team to help us sing in. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the God's blessing on the emblems. If you can hold your emblems up wherever you are, you can ask God to bless these emblems. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the emblems that represent your broken body and your shed blood. As we partake, we recognize, O oh God, 
that they're symbolic of what you did, what happened over 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. Your body was broken and your blood was shed. It was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Once for all eternity. Hallelujah. You went to the cross once and your blood saved us of the sins of the past. It covered the sins of the present and it covers the sins of the future. Thank you, Lord God. Because the blood of bulls and calves could not remove sin. But the blood, the sinless blood of Jesus paid it all for us. He paid the debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And you did that for us, Jesus. And so this morning as we sit around the table, you said as often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of you. Bless the emblems we're about to partake of now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you will take the bread. It says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I want to remind you that what we have in our, what I have in my hand has no leaven in it because leaven represents sin. And he had no sin. I want you to know that he was pierced for our transgressions. And by his stripes, we are healed. So today, everything we receive from God, we do so by the hand of faith. And whatever you need today, is there's healing, there is hope, there is deliverance. There is victory. He bought, he did it all. He accomplished it all on the cross. And when Christ on the cross says, it is finished, the transaction was complete. He took care of everything that has to be done. So as we partake this morning, appropriate by faith what you need from him. There are blessings that come with the communion. Let's eat it together. Paul says after supper he took the cup. It's the cup of the new covenant. Cup of the new agreement. The old covenant that Sinai demanded. No one could keep it. If you broke one law you broke them all. And so God replaced that covenant with a better covenant. The writer of the Hebrew tells us it's a better covenant. It's a covenant that was established between Christ and the Father. It's a covenant that was made on our behalf. You and I can, this morning, 
partake and be a part of that. We are benefactors of that better covenant today. A covenant of grace. Hallelujah. Not law, but grace. Law demanded, but grace gave. And grace gave when we did not deserve it or we could not earn it. That's why we receive unmerited favor. So today, wherever you are, wherever you are, the favor of God is available for you. The grace of God is reaching out to you. And he's there for you today. And as we partake, it's a reminder again of the power that's in the blood of Jesus. Let's drink it together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood of Jesus this morning. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Wonderful work and power in the blood. This morning, wherever you are, the blood of Jesus Christ reaches to you today. It flows to the lowest valley and it flows to the highest mountain. The blood that shall never lose its power. For it reaches to the highest mountain. From day to day, it will never lose its power. For it reaches to the highest mountain. From day to day, it will never, never, it will never. One more time for the devil, it will never lose. Jesus, come on, clap your hands with me wherever you are. Thank God for the blood. There is power in the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the blood this morning that reaches to the lowest valley and flows to the highest mountain. It goes and it will never, ever lose its power. Praise God. I want to welcome you this morning. Glad that you have joined us and glad that you're part of our service this morning. We believe in God for a continued great time together. 
We had a good time in worship. We had a good time celebrating the, the whole thing of the resurrection of Christ and what he did on the cross and partaking of the covenant that he left us, the Holy Communion, that, that to continue that as often as we do that in remembrance of what he did for us. I'm going to ask you to make sure that you have a piece of paper with you for later on and a pen. I'm going to give you some information later on that you need to be aware of. I want you to be able to take that down and not to forget them. So get ready later on for some more announcements. I'm going to make a couple right now and then some more later on for you. I want to remind you that this coming Friday is Good Friday. It is Good Friday this coming Friday. We normally have our prayer meeting on a Friday evening, and we're going to substitute that with a service, a Good Friday night service. It's going to be coming to you on Facebook Live, uh, and so you want to get to Facebook. And so you can, for those of you who go to our website, lwobc.org, you can click on the Facebook symbol right there on our website, and you'll be able to join us as well. So nobody's left out. If you can go Facebook Live, wherever you are in Facebook, we'll be going Facebook Live on Friday evening at 8 p.m. The same time we normally have the prayer, we're going the same time with the service at 8 p.m. And so you want to join us for a great Good Friday evening service. It's going to be awesome as we worship the Lord with some of those good old-fashioned hymns and then also with the word from God. So I want to encourage you to, be a, to remind you of that. And then one other thing I'll tell you right now, and before I tell you some other things later on, and that is that on our website is the tutorial for downloading the church app. It's, there's a tutorial on our website to download the church app. So you just want to get to the website and be able to download the app because that's how we are sending messages to you. That's how we communicate with you. If there's any change in our services, if there's any change in our times, that's how you're going to know. And whatever we're doing, we're sending that to you through the church app. So make sure you get to download that. Praise God. Well, we've been praying for you all. We've been believing God for a breakthrough and uh, trusting God that uh, we know that our God is going to take us through this. That's not a question. He is going to take us through this. The question is, will you be able to hold on to him? Because in times like these... You need an anchor. In times like these, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. And that rock is only Christ. And so we're going to talk, we're going to look to the word of God at this time. And as we look to God's word, I want us to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to all of us. Myself and you that are there. You have a friend you want to touch base with them to tune in and lwbc.org they can click on watch live sermons or if you're on facebook they can tune in and they'll be part of this service right now but let's pray let's ask the holy spirit to speak to us today our father and our god in times like these we need a savior and we also need a word from you we need a word that will be an anchor. We need a word that will take us through this crisis. We need a word that will sustain us. We need a word that will keep us. 
We need a word that will encourage us. We need a word that will strengthen us. With a word that will give us boldness. We need a word that will build our faith. So God, Holy Spirit, wherever people are watching right now, those that really watch, even after this live broadcast, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do a work in every heart. Someone watching us does not know you as Savior. May they recognize this is the moment. Now is the time of salvation. They need to receive you now. Humbling themselves and bowing before you and asking for mercy. Someone is a backslider, God. We pray that today they would recognize I can't go on turning my back on God and wandering away from Him. If there's ever a time I need to draw near to God, it is now. May they realize that you welcome them home. That you will not refuse them. So we pray for that backslidden one right now. That they would say, Lord, I'm coming home. At the prodigal son, I will arise and go to my father. And for the believer to hold on. To hold on. To be very sure as you're holding on. To the anchor who is Christ. The solid rock and Christ alone. Thank you, Lord. For hearing and answering. In Jesus name. Amen. I don't think it's necessary for us. For me. To describe the crisis. Because we all know the crisis that we are in. We all see the numbers. We all understand. The projections that they have made. And all around the world, as you turn on the television, you can hear the news of more people contracting the virus and many more dying. And of course, you are in touch with family and friends and some of, some of us have near friends or others who are close to us who have lost loved ones. And so this morning... There is grief. In some places there is panic. In most places there is fear. And the thing that this thing brings to me, the, 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 the thing that I get from this, one of the things that comes home to me from all of this, is that this crisis reveals to me the inadequacy of man. We are so inadequate. I want you to think about this. This is not just one country that is involved. This is the world. And can you imagine the brilliant minds around the world? All those brilliant minds 
all those well-trained scientists, no one. Can I tell you? No one has been able, even coming together, they have not been able to find a solution to this situation. It reveals that as much as we think we are so powerful and we are so smart and we have so much power and we have so much control, I think it's a clear message that God has sent us that he and he alone is in control. That he and he alone is omniscient. He and he alone is the all-powerful God. He and he alone is the all-knowing God. And it is time for us to humble ourselves and recognize who we really are and who God really is. We are frail. The Bible says all of man put together in a scale is less than the weight of air. That's who we are. But sometimes we act in such ways as if we are so powerful, as if to say that we can do things that are great. It's all, now we're recognizing all the accomplishment that man has made, we are now recognizing this was the hand of God helping us. We have always felt, oh, how good we are. How smart we are. How powerful we are. Well, I got to tell you, it's very clear to me right now. I don't know what you may think, but I know we're not as smart as we think we are. We're not as powerful as we think we are. We're not as adequate as we think we are. And I like what Paul says. He says, our sufficiency lies in Christ. Hallelujah. That's where our sufficiency is, my friend. Our sufficiency is in Christ. And so, if there's ever a time that we need God, it is now. If there's ever a time that we need to please the Lord, it is now. And you know what the Bible says? It says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Did you hear that? Let me say that again for you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith, the Bible is saying. And so if, we, if this is a time for us to please God, then we need to exercise faith. But I'm going to tell you, we need to understand what this faith is and what a faith life is like. First of all, I want you to understand faith is what brings the things that God has provided for us from the spiritual realm into the physical realm. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, Faith is the victory that overcometh the world. In other words, my friend, everything the Lord does for us is access through faith. See, we don't see God coming down and taking something from his hand. No, no. We don't see him physically. No. We receive from God as we stretch forth the hand of faith. Whatever you need this morning, can I tell you, you got to extend the hand of faith to receive from God. If you need courage, you need to receive, extend the hand of faith. If you need hope, you need to extend the hand of faith. 
If you need victory, you need to extend the hand of faith. If you need a breakthrough, you need to extend the hand of faith. If you need a financial situation resilient, you need to extend the hand of faith. Whatever you're going to take from God, the only way you can access it is through faith. Now yet, there is much confusion about faith today. Just as there always has been. It's like having a computer and know its potential, but not having a clue how to use it. And so I ask the question, what is faith? Well, Hebrews 11 gives us a definition of faith. It says faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, do you like that? First of all, think about this. In the light of this crisis, in the light of this virus, it says faith is being sure of what we hope for. So stop right there. What is it you're hoping for right now? If I was to ask you a question, what is the one thing that is a priority for you that you're hoping for right now? I dare say I think I could guess we're hoping for this virus to go away. Isn't that true? We're hoping for this virus to dry up. We're hoping for this virus to be removed. That's what we're hoping for. And the Bible says faith is being sure of what you hope for. And listen to this. And certain of what you do not see. We don't see an answer. But we're going to, if you, but to have an answer... Faith says, I am certain of what I don't see. In other words, faith says, I am certain that this virus is going to go away. I don't see it in the natural, but I see it in the spiritual. And that's what faith does for us, my friend. Now, the Bible encourages us to build our faith by giving us numerous examples of powerful demonstration of faith. Let me give you a, let me walk you through a couple. First of all, do you remember the walls of Jericho? Do you remember when they came up to the walls of Jericho? We are told the walls of Jericho was so thick. It was very it was extremely high and it was so thick that nine chariots could ride abreast on the wall of Jericho. That's how thick it was. And God told the children of Israel that all they need to do, all they needed to do, walk around once for seven days, for six days. And on the seventh day, to walk around seven times. They're not going to use a pickaxe. They're not going to use hammer. They're not going to use some sledgehammer. They're not going to use jackhammer. They're just going to walk around. And then he says, when the trumpet blasts, shout. And the walls are going to come down. Now you can imagine, that takes great faith to believe. No one has ever seen that done before. And you can imagine the, the, the guards... In the city of Jericho, who are looking out 
watching these people marching around. They come around the first day and then they disappear. The next day they come around once again. And by, I think by the day three or four, they're laughing in their homes and saying, Oh, look at those fools out there. What do they think marching around can do? They believe what is going to happen. They are ridiculous. And I can't imagine the jokes they're having in their, in their homes about these people marching around. But what they didn't know, huh, they're dealing with a God who is different. They're dealing with a God who is able to exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And so on the seventh day, when they marched around that seventh time, and they heard the trumpet blast and the shout to their amazement, the walls came tumbling down. My friend, it took great faith to believe that. It took great faith to respond to the word of God. To do something that you could never, you didn't see before. And they were, Joshua had to be certain. He was sure of what he hoped for. And certain of what he did not see. That the walls will come down. So that was one. And then I want to bring, remind you of back in Jerusalem, in the fall of Jerusalem to Babylon, they took some of the best brains to Babylon. And included in those were three young men who we know by their Babylonian names. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And although they, when they were there, although they were in a pagan society, their hearts remained true to the living God. See, in spite of what's going on around them, they did not let that cause them to change their minds about the God that they served. Just because they were taken captives... Doesn't mean that they lost their confidence in God. They remain strong in their faith. And my friend, in the midst of crisis, that's what needs to happen to us. We need to remain strong in our faith still. Doesn't matter what's going on around us. We need to be like them. Remain strong in their faith. But I got to tell you. And when we remain strong in our faith in crisis, there are times when it's going to be tested. And that's exactly what happened for these three Hebrew boys. Because... King Nebuchadnezzar created this golden statue. And he declared that everybody ought to bow down and worship the statue. And if you don't, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Well, you know, these guys said, you know what? We serve no other and worship no other than Jehovah God. And so when the king heard about it and called them up and they appeared before the king, he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did I hear that you refuse to bow before the statue that I have built? And they said, here's what they said, with great faith and boldness. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will, listen to that, and he will deliver us 
from your majesty's hand. That was faith. They declared, they said, you, you can throw us in there if you want, but our God is going to deliver us. One way or the other, he is going to deliver us. Hallelujah, somebody. I want you to believe God today, this morning, and to have the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and declare right now, our God is going to deliver us. Our God is going to deliver us. They threw them in the furnace. Because the king flew into a rage and he got the furnace heated seven times hotter. And threw them into the furnace bound. And the interesting thing is that the people who were throwing them in were burnt up. And the boys stood up in the fire. And the only thing that got burnt in the fire were the, was the cords that they used to, bone them, to bind them. It was only the cords that he used to tie them that was burnt in the fire. And then when King Nebuchadnezzar looked into the fire, he saw not only the three Hebrew boys standing there, but he saw a fourth person. It was, he says, that in the form of a God. He recognized that Jesus was in there with them in the fire. Can I tell you with you this morning? He is with us in the fire. He is with us in this situation. He Bible says he promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And I want you to know right now, right where you are, he is with you. He is with you. The Lord thy God is with you. My friend, be encouraged. The Lord is with you. Hallelujah. He's with you. He's not going to abandon you when you're going through the fire. He's not going to abandon you when you go through the waters. You shall not be drowned. When you pass through the rivers, they shall sweep, they shall sweep, just sweep. They just pass over you. And when you go into the fire, Isaiah 43 says, you shall not be burned. Hallelujah. This morning I realized that these Hebrew boys had faith in God. They believed. They declared it. And guess what? They experienced it. I want to tell you, my friend, this morning, oh Lord God. And so those are two examples of faith. But I want to give you another one. Now, this one is sort of difficult for parents to understand grasp. If you have children, I want you to think about this. This was a situation with Abraham, where God said to Abraham that his son Isaac, for whom he, he prayed and waited for 25 years to be born, now the boy was growing up on a teenager. And here he was, God came to him and said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take your only son, your son Isaac. I know God says only because he didn't recognize Hagar's son as the prime because that was not part of his plan. He says, I want you to take your son, Isaac, and I want you to sacrifice him. Now, you know what I was, my friend? That was a test. And I'll tell you, you think God's only testing Abraham? I got to tell you, he's going to test you and I. We're going to go through tests as well. And maybe some of you right now are going through some tests. And the Bible tells us that Abraham took Isaac, his son, and they're going to the place where he's going to sacrifice him on the Mount of Moriah. And as they're walking, little Isaac suddenly realized, wait a minute. Father, we have the fire and we have the knife. Where is the lamb? I want you to understand what it must be like for a parent in his heart when that was, when that was asked of him by his son. And he knew what God had asked him to do. You can imagine how it must have been in Abraham's heart. You can imagine the stress, the, the weight upon him. 
But Abraham, in spite of all of that, he decided, I am going to go with the character of God. I am going to go with who God is that I know. I'm going to go with the God who told me to leave my home and to go to a place that I will show you. And I remember when I left and I departed and I didn't know where I was going. And look at me today, how God has watched over me. How God has kept me and provided for me. When Abraham thought about the same God who had delivered him in the past. The same God who had taken care of him in the past. He said, this same God will take care of me now the same God will make a way now and he turned to his boy and he says my son God will provide himself a lamb hallelujah that was bold faith Abraham declared God will provide himself a lamb and Abraham took his son and they went up and he told he told the servants he says wait here Listen to the step of faith again. Wait here, he says to them. He says, the boy and I are going up into the mountain. We're going to worship and we will return. Did you hear that? We will return. That is absolute confidence in God. In other words, Abraham felt if God had to resurrect him after I kill him, he's going to do something. But I know I could trust God. And so I know that when I get up to that mountain, I am coming back with my son. That's faith in God, my friend. That's belief in God. That's what you and I need in times like these. We need an anchor. We need a faith that will anchor us. In Christ Jesus. And guess what? When Abraham bound the boy and put him on the wood, picked up the knife, and he was ready, he was being tested by God. And as he was about to plunge, he heard, Abraham, Abraham. When he turned to look where the voice was sound was coming from, the Bible says he saw a ram. Caught in the thicket. And he put the knife down. Went and got the lamb. Oh my goodness. Abraham must have said. Oh thank you Lord. Thank you for coming through. I knew you would be there somehow. And he went over and God says to him. Now I know. You will trust me. Do you see how far God will take us to test us before he really? It's not, it's, this is not for God to know you. He already know. This is for us to know if we really mean what we say. You know when we say, I love the Lord. When we say, I will serve him all in my heart. When we say, I will love him in all my mind. He's going to test us. And he's going to test us to see. Do you really mean what you're saying? Is there a time? That we're being tested, my friend. It is now. Do you really love the Lord? Are you really standing with him? Are you really believing in the character of God? That in spite of all that is happening, God is still good. God is still in control. Are you believing that? Are you holding on to that? No matter if you lost your job, that doesn't change it. God is still good. If you're having problems right now paying the rent, God is still good. If you're having difficulty paying the mortgage right now, God is still good. And you've got to begin to believe 
that that same God who made a way for Abraham will make a way for you. You see, my friend, you received from God, as I told you earlier, by the hand of faith. Faith. You've got to believe God. I've got to tell you, do we struggle with such faith as Abraham had? Oh, yes, we do. I want to tell you that the disciples struggled with that. The disciples struggled at first with faith. In Matthew chapter 8, I want to tell you the story here. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, beginning at verse 23, that Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and they followed him. And as soon as they got into the boat, the Bible says, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. And guess what? They tell me that Jesus was sleeping. <laughs> Have you ever been on a boat that is being tossed about by the waves. I have. There was a time I remember my dad and I went out with some friends. And they were going to practice for dolphin fishing. And if you're going to fish for dolphin. They know that where the big ships pass. Way out. Right in the wake of the big ships. Is where the dolphins are. So you know how far out we went. We went way out. And it's a good sized boat. And we went out there and the big ships passed indeed. And we were walking. We were, we were sailing right behind the big ships. And boy, I got to tell you. A storm came in. Oh, hallelujah. I never, this was my first time out there like this. And it picked up that boat. And lifted up with the waves up in the air. And you know when the boat rises, the water recedes. And then the boat comes, bang, and the waves picked it up again, and it kept slamming it down. And, and I got to tell you, I held on to a pole for dear life, and I prayed, and I said, God, if you ever let me get out of this, I will never go back there again. I got to tell you, man, I've never prayed like that before. It was frightening. Can you imagine that they said Jesus was asleep? Oh, hallelujah. He was asleep. And the water was coming into the boat. And they ran over, the Bible says. And they woke him up and says, listen to what they said. We are going to drown. They tell him that. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. They were convinced. We are going to drown. You know what amazes me? Is what the writer said happened next. Jesus, in his calm self, wakes up. And before he did anything, in fact, before he got up, he looked at them, the Bible says, and he said, Oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? You know what the Bible told me? It says, then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. When I read that and thought that before he even got up, before he even got up and run to hurry to, to steady the waves and to steady the, the weed, to, to steady the storm, before he got up to do that, the first thing he addressed, the first thing he said to them, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? 
Now, I, I, I want to begin to, I'm going to explain this some more later on as well, but I want to drop something here to you, to be, you begin to think about this and understand. You see, what Jesus was saying to them really is, do you really believe that we're going to drown with me in the boat? See, that's where they were lacking the faith. They were lacking the faith in, in what they were putting their faith in and trusting. They were, you see, they were putting their faith and trust in the boat, and to them, the boat was inadequate. The boat was inadequate because the boat was being filled with water. And if this boat is filled with water, it's going to sink. And if the boat sinks, we are going to sink and we are going to drown. And so they were putting their confidence in the boat. As long as the boat was without water, they were fine. As long as the boat was not in any danger, they were fine. But Jesus was saying, wait a minute. Where's your faith? Why are you afraid? I am in the boat. Can I tell you, my friend? When he's in the storm with you, you don't have anything to worry about. When he's right there with you, you don't have to worry about it. Stop focusing on the storm and start focusing on Jesus being with you in the storm. And if he's not with you right now, if you don't know him right now, if you don't understand who he is right now, you need him. You need him right now. You need him to be with you in the storm right now. And you need to reach out and say, God, I need you today. And if you don't know him as your Savior, as your Lord, this is a moment to say, God, I, I, I played around long enough. I need you to be with me in the storm. If you're a backslider, this is your time to say, I gotta get all, I gotta get right with God. I can't keep doing what I'm doing. And because you need him in the boat with you. You need him in the in the in, in this in, in this coronavirus environment. You need him with you in this storm. The Bible says he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And it was completely calm. And the disciples were blown away. They were amazed. Who is this man? Who is this man? They said. What kind of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. So Jesus walked and lived by faith. His whole life was all about faith. And so one day we record in Luke chapter 17 where the disciples said to him, Lord, increase our faith. I want you to listen to what he said. This is important. We're going to learn. They asked Jesus to increase their faith. Because in their mind, the problem that they have was that they didn't have enough faith. That's what they thought about. And that's why they asked him. Listen to Jesus' response. Because Jesus' response to them is going to teach us something. When they said to Jesus, increase our faith, Lord. Here is what he says in Luke chapter 17, verse 6. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. And it will obey you. Now, have you ever seen a mustard seed? A sister brought me a, 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 a jar of mustard seed from Publix. She brought it to me so, because so, she always hear me talk about it. And she brought me so that I could see how small mustard seed is. It is very, very small, this mustard seed. And Jesus said to the disciples, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell a big mulberry tree, 
You speak to the tree. Now listen to what Jesus says. Jesus is not telling a lie. Jesus said he will speak to a big mulberry tree. And you tell the tree, move from here and go into the sea. And, the, and Jesus says the tree. Now you can't imagine it. <laughs> I don't know how anybody would run. if you. Can you imagine a tree just suddenly picking up? And you began in the tree moving and going plant right into the sea. And Jesus says, if you, if you tell it to do it, and your faith is as small as the mustard seed, it will do it. What does that teach us? It teaches a very powerful principle. Here's a principle that I want you to remember and never to forget. More important then the size of your faith is the size of your God. Because you see, the key thing is, it's not, it's who you're putting your faith in. And somebody made a powerful little observation. Listen to this, it says, if you're crossing a river, weak faith in a strong plank will get you across the river. But strong faith in a weak plant will get you wet. Did you get that? The key is where you put your faith. That's what Jesus was teaching them. Because they said, increase our faith. Give us more faith, God. Teach us how to increase our faith, Jesus. And he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. If your faith is as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this tree to be moved and go into the sea and they'll be done. The key is where you're placing your faith. Are you placing your faith in the all-powerful God? The God who is able. That's why you have to get familiar with who God is. And that when you become to understand the character of God and that God is good and that God means well, and that God has a good plan for our lives. And that God is doing something great. And the Bible says all things will work together for good. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose. You have to believe what God says. His word is important. And you've got to understand. When you begin to grasp this. Jesus was telling us. All it takes after that. Is a little faith like this. A mustard seed. Now, I, I hate to think that my faith is less than a mustard seed. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I said, oh, my faith is smaller than a mustard seed. And then I'm realizing the key is, do we really understand who God really is? You know, sometimes we say we think we do. But I'm telling you, we really don't. I'm going to prove it to you from the word of God. You know who I'm going to use? I'm going to use Jesus' own family. And his own friends. In the book of Mark chapter 6. The Bible tells us. That Jesus left where he was. And he went to his hometown in Nazareth. And on the Sabbath day he. Went into the synagogue and began to teach. He's in his hometown where he grew up. And you know what the people began to say? Where did this man get all these things? 
what is this wisdom that we see has been given to him? And what about these remarkable miracles we've heard he's done? Isn't this Miss Mary's boy? And isn't this Mass Joseph's son? We know him. He comes from here. We know who he is. His brothers are with us. And they named the brothers. They said, we know the brother James and Joseph and Judas and Simeon. And we know his sisters too. And the Bible said they took offense at him. In other words, he can't be the one we're thinking of. He can't be who we think he says he is. We, we doubt him. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and his own home. Now listen to where I was going. This is where I was going. Listen, listen up carefully. This is how it connects. The Bible said, he could not do any miracles there. He could not do any miracles there, except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. You know what that tells me? Laying hands on a few sick people is no miracle. The Bible says he couldn't do any miracles there. All he, had, all he could do was just lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He couldn't do any miracles there. And then he goes on to say, why couldn't he do any miracles there? It told us why he couldn't do any miracles there. It ends up by saying, he was amazed at their lack of faith. Did you hear that? The reason why he couldn't do any miracles there was because they lacked faith. But what was it? Was it because their faith was not huge? Was it because their faith was not as big? Was it because their... Look at what they did. Because they lacked trust in who he was. See, they didn't have any confidence in him. They were minimizing who he was. Remember, this was a son of God. Remember, this was the one that says, I'm in the Father, and the Father was in me. Remember, this was the Son of God, and they didn't recognize that. You see, when, when you do, you got to understand. So, my friend, what I'm trying to let you understand this morning is that you've got to come to grasp with who God really is. You may think, I don't have any faith. The problem is not so much about of, of the whole quantity of faith that you have. The problem is, do you really believe in who God really is? Is he as big as he says he is in your mind? Because what their problem was, they demonstrated lack of faith because they doubted who he was. All they talked about was, we know him. Where does he get all this wisdom from? Where does he get all this understanding from? We see him run up around here, little boy, run up run from you. We saw him grow up as a little boy. We watched him grow around here. We know his brothers, we know his sisters, we know everything about him. What is he saying? They lack faith in his ability to do what he says he could do because he was God. 
See, you can't lack faith in God. You see, faith, you got to have a confidence about who God is. You got to have an assurance that God is almighty, that God is all powerful, that God is omnipotent, that God is omniscient, that God is omnipresent, that God is everything he says he is. When you begin to understand that there is nothing impossible with God, there is nothing too difficult with God. What I'm trying to show, the emphasis needs to be on God. He is the strong plank. In other words, mustard faith, mustard seed faith will get you across the river when it's just a, when it's a strong plant. Because you're putting your faith in the plant and the plank is God. But if the plank is weak that you put your faith in, if you're going to cross the river, over a rotten piece of wood. What we're learning is you may have put a lot of faith in it, but you're going to get wet because that plant can't bear you up. But the God we serve is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Can somebody get excited with me this morning? He is who he says he is. He's that all-powerful God. That's why you can put your trust and your faith in him. Are you beginning to recognize how important faith is, my friend? You've got to understand that faith is critical. Faith is important, especially in these days. You know, later on, Jesus told his disciples, he says in, in Luke, in Matthew chapter 21, Matthew records it, he says, you can pray for anything if you have faith, you will receive it. You can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you will receive it. Now what I noticed was that after the disciples saw the resurrected Christ, after they experienced that he was the one who told them that he was the son of man is going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to be betrayed, and he's going to be crucified, and he's going to be raised from the dead. And they didn't understand it at first. But after it occurred, after it happened, and they saw the resurrected Christ, and they remembered that he told them exactly what happened and all the events that took place, he described before it happened. Now they were truly convinced they could believe anything he says. And so you know what happened? The early church taught by the disciples, really embraced the promises of God. They embraced every word of God. And so they experienced the miraculous. They demonstrated great faith. I want to tell you some examples. They prayed for boldness in Acts chapter 4. And the Bible says, after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting shook. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word boldly. And also they tell us, they prayed for prisoners to be released. Remember when Peter was held by the king in prison and they were having the prayer meeting at night. And as they prayed, God sent an angel to deliver Peter and took him to the house, the very house that they were praying. They believed God and saw the miraculous. They prayed for the sick. The apostle Paul prayed for Publius and he was sick with dysentery and immediately he was healed. They don't only pray for the sick. They not only pray for prisons to be released, but the Bible tells us they prayed for the dead. Dorcas, 
a widow, a well-known widow was dead. And the people came to Peter and said, she was a widow who was very good. And Bible tells us Peter goes up to Dorcas' room, closed the door behind him, picked her hand up, the dead body's hand, and says, Tabitha, arise. And she got up and she lived. Can I tell you, they had no absolute confidence in who God says and anything God says they believe what he says because they have confidence in the word because they had experienced it for themselves my friend there is nothing like experiencing it for yourself there's nothing like when you know that you know that you know that God's word is true that you can stand on the promises of God that he will not fail when you know that, it will change your life forever. And no coronavirus will be victorious over you because of that. You will know the difference. It is time for us to really live by faith. We live in days that demands living by faith. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians, he says, I'm crucified with Christ and I live. Nevertheless, not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I live my life by faith. Jesus lived his life by faith. You and I need to live our lives by faith. Not just during the crisis of the corn, but all days, all the time. We are supposed to be living by faith. Now I got to tell you, there is what is called human faith, and then there is supernatural faith. Now, human faith uses the senses, our taste, what we see, what we hear, what we smell, and what we feel. And so human faith is limited to our senses. And I know, I know that with our faith limited by our senses... You and I sometimes, you know, sometimes somebody may say to you, uh, you know, just pick this chair for instance. And, you know, I, I'm just going to, human faith is this. I just sit. Why? I have confidence in the chair that is going to keep me. That's human faith. But I got to tell you, if there's no chair there, and I need to sit because God says sit. I can't see in a chair. That's supernatural faith. See, every day we use human faith. And we believe things that we don't even understand. We fly in airplanes without understanding how they work. When you, go on, when you board the flight, do you check on the pilot to find out if he's, did you, did you check his license? Did you check how many hours of flying he had before? Oh, no. Your focus was on where is my space for my, oh, for my rollerboard overhead? And where is my seat? And you're focused on sitting down and settling yourself and buckling yourself in. And you have absolute confidence. You don't know anything about airplanes. You don't know if the pilot in the, in, is in the cockpit has been well trained. You have no idea, but you have human faith in that. Isn't it amazing that some people have more faith in that than they have in God? That's very sad. When it comes to God, my friend, we have to believe things that we cannot see. 
The answer is that you can't believe invisible things with human faith. You need God's supernatural faith. And that's where Romans 4, 17 reminds us. It says, God call it those things which are not as though they were. He call it those things which are not as though they were. He works by faith. God works by faith. And the Bible says, but he but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that will diligently seek him. We're going to a God who calls those things that were not as though they were. See, God's faith goes beyond sight. God's faith operates supernaturally. Beyond the limitations of natural faith. It was God's supernatural. It took God's supernatural faith to receive salvation. Where did we get it from? We got it from the word of God. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? It says, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing what? Hearing the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We access God's faith through his word. That's why it is important to be in the word. When we hear God's word, the Holy Spirit empowers it. And, we and when we believe what it says, when we receive the truth. You see, you've got to receive the truth of what God is saying. When we do that, God's supernatural faith enters us. So we, we read the word. The Holy Spirit empowers the word when we, when we receive the truth. And his supernatural faith enters us. I want to so, so therefore, I want to give you three ways quickly to really bolster your faith. Number one, read the word frequently. You got to read the word frequently. We just, we just did that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Reading and hearing God's word is like planting a garden. If you want to grow or build a garden, you must first plant the seeds or the actual plant. God's word is the seed that grows your faith. Knowing his promises, knowing his promises, what God says about who you are. What God says about life. What God says about Jesus' plan for eternity. It will transplant. It will change our lives. But you can't know that by osmosis. You know that by getting into the word of God. So the first thing is read the word frequently. The second thing is, it's even more important. You've got to heed the word. In other words, James tells us, he says, he says, if, if, if be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if you hear what the word says, but you don't do what the word says, it hasn't had any benefit on you. And so we need to read the word, but we also need to heed the word. We need to put into practice 
what the word says. If we fail to heed what we're reading and ignore what God is telling us in his word, then our faith will remain stagnant. You don't want stagnant faith. We need faith that will be developed, faith that will be robust, faith that will be healthy, faith that will be alive and well, faith that will, that will take us through these trying times. We're supposed to live by faith in our daily lives. And it comes by not just reading the word, but by heeding the word. In other words, obeying the word. That's what James tells us. Be not hearers only. Be doers of the word. Some people hear the word. They come to church. They're hearing the word right now. The big question is, are you going to heed the word? Hearing the word only, only goes so far. To really have, it's like having the seed in your hand, but you don't plant it in the ground. What good is the seed in your hand if you don't plant it? You'll never have a harvest. So the word is the seed, but you've got to plant it by heeding it, by acting upon it, by obeying it. And you put it in the soil, and I take the seed, and I plant the seed in the ground. That's heeding the word. Guess what I expect after that? Harvest. That's the third thing. First, you read the word. Second, you heed the word. Third, you prove the word. Oh, my God. That's the greatest. When you prove the word. When you prove the word for yourself. Not somebody tell you about it. You, you don't want to live off somebody else's testimony. You want your own testimony. And the way you get your own testimony is for you to prove the word yourself. That's why God says in Malachi 3, he says, bring all the tithes and open the stores and prove me now here with you, he says. Prove me. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room to continue. He says, you prove me. Can I tell you, when you prove God for yourself, nobody can change that. When you know that you know that God is good, that God is a provider, that God is a Jehovah Jireh, that God is a Jehovah Rapha, that God is a healer, when you have proven that for yourself, I don't care who they are, not even an angel coming down can change that. Because you know what you know. Proving the word for yourself is key. See, that's experience in the harvest. You take the seed, which is the word. You plant it in the ground, which is to heed the word. And then you prove the word when the seed grows into a plant and produces fruit. And you enjoy the fruit. That's proving the word. My friend, you got to prove the word for yourself. If you've never proven the word for yourself, if you've never experienced who God really is, here is your opportunity to today to experience God in a real way for yourself. Not your grandparents. They did already. Not your parents, perhaps. Not your friend, perhaps. But you. I want to say to you that if you've never received Christ, my friend, 
What are you waiting for? Why wait any longer? This is the day. I implore you by the power of the Holy Spirit to right where you are, bow your head and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I need you. Exercise faith right now. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God. As you believe right now, as you ask him to forgive you right now, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, when you ask him, he will forgive you. He says, come into my heart. Take over my life, God. I repent of every sin. And I receive you as my Savior. You say that prayer. He will hear you. His Spirit will enter you. He will write your name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And one day you'll spend eternity with Him. Maybe you're a backslider. You know the truth. You've been running. God has caught up with you now. It's no more time to run. It's time to face reality. There's a new reality in town. This is a, there's a new truth. And you realize I can't run anymore. I need to repent instead of running. Will you bow your heads and repent? Will you say with me, dear Lord Jesus, I am sorry for running away from you. I recognize that I need you. Forgive me for doing my own thing. Today, I return to you as your child. Like the prodigal son, I arise and go to my father. Because in my father's house, there is more meat. And here I am starving. Here I am in this crisis. And there is peace in my father's house. And there is hope in my father's house. And there is deliverance in my father's house. And there is victory in my father's house. So Lord, forgive me. And I return to you fully. My friend, that's the answer for today. That's what you and I need to be doing. We need to return. He promised us. I want to tell you. He promised us in his word. In the book of Isaiah 43, and verse 2, he says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, 
you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. When you walk through the fire of coronavirus, you will not be burned. My friend, that's a promise to hold on to. That's a promise to keep. That's a promise to live by. We're going to sing a hymn at this time. It's called Standing on the Promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, it says, on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, I am standing, hallelujah, on the promises of God. That's strong faith. Right where you are, as our worship team help us, will you join them right where you are and singing this great hymn? Amen. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages, let us praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I am standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail when the whole and storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Everybody, come on now. Standing. Oh, yes. Stand. Hallelujah. Standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing. Standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Come on now. Standing on the promises I now can see. Perfect present cleansing in the blood for me. Standing in the liberty where Christ makes free. Standing on the promises of God. Everybody everywhere. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing.
standing on the promises of Christ the Lord. Bound to him eternally by love's strong cord. Overcoming daily with the spirit sword. Standing on the promises of God. Oh yes, stand. I'm standing. Oh, hallelujah. Just before we sing the last stanza, I want you to listen to it. It says, standing on the promises, I cannot fall. I cannot. Did you hear the certainty? That's faith. I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior's as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. That's faith in the word. Because the promises is the word of God. And that's believing God's word, my friend. That's standing on what God's word says. That's believing what God's word says. That's trusting what God's word says. That's what's going to take you through. That's going to make the victory. Let's sing that last stanza together. Standing on the promises I cannot fall Listening every moment to the Spirit's call Resting in my Savior as my all in all Standing on the promises of God Oh, everybody there! Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I am standing on the promises of Praise God, we're standing on the promises of God. My friend, when you and I do that, as we stand to de declare faith and confidence in God's word, we cannot fail. Coronavirus or not, we're going to make it. We're going to make it through. I promise you that at the end, we're going to have some announcement for you, and you should have a pencil and a paper or some pen to write things down. Let me remind you, one of those things is that we do have texting. You can text to give. Uh, you can text to give your tithes and your offering. You can text us. And the number for texting is 833-385-0418. Let me say that again. 833 385-0418. And what do you text? You text the word give. So you, 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 that's the number you're going to put in 
and you're going to put into the message part what you're going to text is the word give. You're going to dial that number and text the word give. And you'll be able to set up. For those of you that may not be savvy enough otherwise, or you may not have difficulty challenges, may not have a computer or other things, you can do that from your cell phone. So I want to give you that chance. Others of you can go to lwobc.org, lwobc.org, and you can click on giving. You'll be there. I want to thank all of you that have been doing that. So many of you have been faithful, and I'm going to pray God's blessing on you as we close. You've been faithful in going there. and We really appreciate that. We're still at the office paying the bills, doing different things. So we thank God for you for keeping the church strong. And then I want you to remind you, family captains, I want to encourage you, thank you for those of your family captains that have been calling your family members. We really appreciate that. Thank you for sending your report, for touching base with each other. Touch base with a friend. Touch base with a family member. Call somebody. Somebody comes to mind, call them up. See how they're doing. If we can help one another, let's help one another. Whatever way we can, share what you have. Let's not hoard. Let's be sharers as children of God. And then, of course, I want to remind you again that on Friday, this Friday is Good Friday. We're going to be coming live. We're going to come into you from Facebook Live. And you want to join us at 8 p.m. on Friday. The same time as we normally have prayer. 8 p.m. on Friday, Facebook Live. If you go to our website... If you go to our website, you can click on the Facebook symbol and it will take you there. You'll be part of it as well. Or if you have it on your phone, however you want, your computer, wherever you have it, you can join us at 8 p.m. on Good Friday for a great Good Friday evening service starting at 8. A tutorial is posted on the website. Uh, it's on the website to help you download our church app. Now remember, the church app that we use is called the church app. It's called The Church App. And in that app are several other churches. You just look for Living Word Open Bible Church within that app. And uh, you do enable uh, notifications. You go into the app. And inside the app, you have to put the notifications on again. You got to do it twice. And then that's how you get to the inbox. And you'll see all the messages we've been sending. And you'll know from there on to be able to receive messages yourself. We've been praying for you all. We're going to get through this. I want to encourage you, as, as I said on Friday night in a prayer time, I encourage all our people. I encourage everyone out there, wear a mask. I have one that I wear. When I go out, I wear it. And if here's how it works. When I wear it, I protect you from me. When you wear it, you protect you from me me from you. So we, we, when we wear it, each, when we wear each wear it, we protect ourselves from each other. That's why wearing the mask is important. So I want to encourage you, and especially all our members at Living Word Open Bible Church, I want to encourage you wearing mask. Those that are with us today have their mask. They're wearing their mask. And uh, in the box they have their mask. The technology they have their mask. The worship team people have their mask. We all have masks today. But we're in a mask. We're setting the example. We want you to follow. Wear a mask. Encourage somebody to wear a mask. You don't have a mask? Sister Gibson is making masks. Call her. She will get you a mask. There's a lot of people making masks. 
And uh, Cheyenne's mom is also making masks. You can call her. Call Cheyenne if you don't know the number. And uh, they're making masks. Good masks. Wonderful masks. And uh, you'll get a mask that will help you and that will enable you to prevent you passing the droplets on to somebody else. That's what we want to do. We want to practice washing our hands properly. We want to practice social distancing. I want to practice wearing the mask. I encourage you. Let's do our part and leave the rest to God. Amen? I'm going to pray God's blessing on you as we close. We're looking forward to seeing you on Friday night at 8 p.m. Raise your hand as I pronounce the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We're praying for you. Let's keep praying for each other. Let's continue to call on God. And let's live by faith. Amen.